This podcast is made possible by listeners like you. Please be sure to subscribe and share with friends and family. To help support this ministry, please visit walkwiththeking.org forward slash donate. Thank you for listening. All right, thank you very much. And hello again, radio friends. How in the world are you? This is your good friend Bob Cook, and I'm glad to be back with you, believe me. We're looking at 1 Timothy chapter 1, and we've gotten now to verse 16. For this cause, Paul says, I obtain mercy. Now what's the cause? That in me first Jesus Christ might show forth all longsuffering for a pattern to them which should hereafter believe on him to life everlasting. The last time we got together, I was stopping on that concept of me first. Start with yourself when you're praying for revival. Start with yourself when you're praying for renewal. Me first. You have to know the reality of God in your soul as a living experience before you can communicate it to anybody else. It's that simple. Pastor, your congregation will never rise any higher than your own experience with God. Missionary on the field, your people, uh, nationals of another race, another culture, another language, the greatest difficulty you face is not cultural, nor indeed language, but also, and far beyond all of these, it's the difficulty of credibility, people believing that you are what you say you are. And that <clears throat> that sort of thing is only accomplished when the Holy Spirit of God has complete control in your life. And what you say, well, it's oftentimes, uh, I've said to the young people at the college, whatever I tell you, I've been there. Don't try to communicate something that you don't know yourself. Me first. Good idea. Now, I said that in me first, Jesus might show forth all long-suffering for a pattern. What's the point here? Well, I began to think about that and, and came up with some ideas. A pattern is a, a model. It's a, an object lesson. It is the kind of thing where a person may say, if that happened to him, it could also happen to me. It said he showed long-suffering. The long-suffering of God to Paul is a pattern for what he likes to do for all the rest. Now think about this for a moment. There was no question about Paul's human qualifications. You know, there's many a person who feels that he's really too good to be approached by, with a gospel that says you have to repent and be born again. I can recall sitting in a newspaper office many years ago with Roy McEwen, uh, talking with the uh, editor of a large metropolitan daily out on the West Coast. And uh, Roy had presented to this man again, as he had before different times. He presented to him now again in my hearing the claims of Christ, the gospel. And uh, the time went by, and, and finally Roy said, well, said, are you, uh, are you willing 
to commit yourself to Christ and trust him as Savior? And when that question was asked, the man swung his chair around to look out the window. His back was toward us, and he was looking out the window in his big office. He was quiet for what seemed a very long time. Then he turned the chair around slowly to face us, and he said, No, boys, no dice. I'm not going to do it. Well, we felt bad about it. But as I thought over the situation there momentarily, I thought, well, now it's not going to do any harm to ask a question. And so I said to the man, Tell me something. Would I be anywhere near the truth if I said that while you sat there thinking, you said to yourself, why should I humble myself and get down and repent and uh, pray and, and ask Jesus to save me? Why should I do all that when I'm such a good guy? See, this man was known for his good deeds. He headed up various fund drives for unfortunate or ill people. He was a leader in the community, civic-minded, a real do-gooder in the best sense. And so uh, I asked him that question. Didn't, didn't you say to yourself, why should I do all that when I'm such a good guy? He gave me a big smile. He said, you're absolutely right. I am. And then he swore a little. Or a good guy. Now that is the position, you see, of ever so many. And some of you may be listening to me this very moment. And you're saying, what all this talk about repentance and, and, and being born again? And I don't need that. I'm a pretty good guy. Well, now there's no question about your character. You may be the finest person on the block. <laughs> so, however also was Saul of Tarsus. He had everything to brag about. <clears throat> he said, though I also might have confidence in the flesh that is in my human accomplishments. Here they are. If any man thinketh that he hath whereof he might trust in the flesh, I more. Circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of the Hebrews, as touching the law of Pharisee, concerning zeal, persecuting the church, touching the righteousness in the law, blameless. Could you say that you're blameless concerning God's law? He could. Could you say that you've always been zealous to do what you conceived to be the right thing? He could. Beyond that, his background... His ethnic, national, and religious background was impeccable, and he belonged to the strictest sect, religious sect of his day, the Pharisees. These people were considered the super-holy folk of their day. So there's no doubt about the fact that he had everything going for him, and humanly he had all the qualifications necessary to make the grade. But he needed to be saved. That, see, this idea of pattern comes in. If Paul the Apostle, Saul of Tarsus formerly, if Saul of Tarsus needed to be saved as good as he was, as zealous as he was, mistaken zeal certainly, but zealous, as, uh, as blameless as he was in his, his observation of all of the, the uh, law, including the hundreds of regulations that the Pharisees kept in addition to the average person, if he needed to be saved, well then, so do I. That's the pattern idea. Well, there was no doubt about his sin. He said, I was injurious and a blasphemer. 
I persecuted the church. He hailed men and women, dragging them into prison and caused them to be put to death. So the blood of other people was on his hands, murder. No doubt either about his sin. And he needed the saving grace of God. So let no one say, well, I've, I've gone too far. I've sinned too much. God can't reach me. Oh, yes, he can. He's able to save to the uttermost all them that come unto God by him, seeing he ever liveth to make intercession for them. Him that cometh unto me I will in no wise cast out. During my student days they told me of a man at Pacific Garden Mission who felt that he, he was just beyond the reach of God. And the person who was dealing with him gave him this verse, And him that cometh unto me I will in no wise cast out. The man said, I've gone too far, and the and the, the personal worker quoted the verse again. But the Savior said, Him that cometh unto me I will in no wise cast out. Why don't you come to him? He won't throw you out. Oh, but I'm too bad. Him that cometh unto me I will in no wise cast out. I've sinned too much. Him that cometh unto me I will in no wise cast out. And finally the truth sank into the man's mind. And he said, You mean if I come to him, he won't refuse me? And again, that blessed verse, him that cometh unto me, I will in no wise cast out. And so there was that that halting, stammering, but sincere prayer from a seeking heart. And the Lord Jesus kept his promise to that man, they tell me. And he found the truth of that verse that says, him that cometh unto me, I will in no wise cast out. Jesus took him in and saved him. The same thing will be true of you. <clears throat> There's no one that listens to me this minute who can say, I've gone too far. God can't reach me now. Oh, yes, he can. He can save to the uttermost. And if you come to him, he won't throw you out. And then, of course, this word pattern. We're thinking about the word pattern. There wasn't any doubt about the, the reality of his, uh, his conversion either. God reached him there as he traveled on the road to Damascus. Saul, yet breathing out threatenings and slaughter against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and got letters to Damascus. If he found any of this way, whether they were men or women, he might bring them bound unto Jerusalem. Now he's on his way to Damascus. As he journeyed, he came near Damascus, and suddenly there shined round about him a light from heaven, and he fell to the earth and heard a voice saying, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? He said, Who art thou, Lord? And the Lord Jesus said, I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest. It is hard for you to kick against the ox goad, like a dumb ox that kicks against the goad that moves him on toward slaughter. And he, trembling and astonished, said, Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? And the Lord said, Arise, and go into the city, and it shall be told thee what thou must do. He was three days. They led him by the hand, brought him to Damascus. He was three days without sight. Neither did eat nor drink. Now the Lord sends Ananias to him. And God said, Rise and go into the street, which is called Straight, and inquire in the house of Judas for one called Saul of Tarsus. For behold, he's praying. He's seen in a vision a man named Ananias coming in and putting his hand on him that he might receive his sight. Well, Ananias argued a little, as you recall. But God said, go on now, he's a chosen vessel unto me. 
So Ananias went his way, entered into the house, putting his hands on him, said, Brother Saul, the Lord, even Jesus, that appeared unto thee in the way, hath sent me that thou mightest receive thy sight and be filled with the Holy Ghost. So there's no doubt, is there, about the genuineness of Paul's conversion. He told that conversion story different times. It's recorded twice in the book of Acts for us. And uh, given that extra emphasis that God uh, does when he repeats something in his blessed word. Paul told how he was converted when he uh, when he uh, stood before Agrippa, and uh, he just uh, he just told the, the truth about what what uh, God had done for him in uh, in his own life. Now, pattern. Before we leave this, let me tell you. If, if God could save Saul of Tarsus and do such wonderful things through him, the point is he can do the same through you. He is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think, we read in Ephesians 3. Let him do this in your own life. Dear Father, today we take gladly the pattern for that thou hast done in other lives, and we trust thee to do it for us. In Jesus' name, amen. Till I meet you once again by way of radio, walk with the King today and be a blessing.